Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Sheen. Recorded live. One another. We need America to begin to pray again to the one true and living God who the only path is the pathway to God, and that is Jesus Christ. So we do thank you this morning for joining us, and we're grateful to the Lord our God for the privilege and the honor of being here on this morning. And so we thank you, those of you who are present here, those who are present on Talk to you Live, and those who are present on Beercast, uh, streaming, live streaming. This morning, we will finish up on Chapter 9 and move into Chapter 10, which is a continuation of the ninth chapter. From the start of our teaching series on the Epistle to the Hebrews, the dominant theme throughout has been the superiority of Jesus Christ. He is superior to the prophets, priests, the early tabernacle and temples, sacrifices of the Old Testament. From Bible days to our day and forever, he was and is superior to the leaders of every nation, the world's advanced weaponry, our possessions, our education, church buildings, our intellect, our bodies, all of which people worship. Why Jesus Christ is so important to all humanity is that first, he is the eternal second person of the Trinity that stepped down from his eternal home, became fully human, and lived among us and second. His perfect life on earth makes him the only human being in his, throughout history, past, present, and future, to qualify as the one and only true way to God, the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Jesus' death on Calvary's cross fulfilled the requirements of the old covenant. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law and the or the prophets. He said, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And so when he had received sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he hung his head, and he gave up his spirit. But in Luke, after his resurrection from the dead, Jesus proclaimed his fulfillment of the law. Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses 
and the prophets and the songs concerning thee, and opened their understanding, he did, that they might comprehend the scriptures. Concomitantly, by fulfilling all that was written of him in the Old Testament, he inaugurated the New Testament. No longer is there a need for the Levitical priesthood with all of its rituals and animal sacrifices to pay for the people's sins because Jesus paid the ultimate price for sin once and for all, and he is our eternal high priest. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, we don't need to depend on another person, dead or alive, to represent us before God. He is our living representative. But so that you don't misunderstand, I do I did not say that we should not pray for one another. On the contrary, when your back is up against the wall, your mind is filled with the cares of this life, pain wrapping your body, and you're filled with grief. You need someone intercede for you. Our Lord prayed for us before when we were before we were born. He said, I do not pray for these only, meaning the apostles, but I pray also for those who will believe on me through their testimony. When Peter was thrown into prison and expected to die as they prayed, uh-huh. scripture says, but constant prayer was offered to God through faith in Christ, those are my words, for him by the church. The church began to pray for Peter. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping bound by two chains between two guards. And, and there were guards before the door, and they were keeping watch over the prison. But now, behold, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord stood by him, stood by Peter, and a light shone in prison. And he struck Peter on the side. Hey, get up. Get up, man. Get up. And he and his chains fell off his hands. Peter got up, got dressed, and followed the angel out of prison. He made his way to the home of John Mark's mother, Mary, which was the site of probably the first church in Jerusalem. Uh-huh. And, and, and he began knocking on the door. A young woman by the name of Rhoda heard the knocking, and when she went to answer the knock, the last, the last person in the world she expected to see was Peter. She was expecting him to die in the morning. Yet there he was, being his life. Uh, glory to God. In her excitement, she left him outside while she ran and told the church that was praying for him that Peter was at the door. They thought she was grieving for Peter, and so they really didn't take her seriously. But that is until they heard the knocking and investigated and saw that indeed it was Peter. By going to God through the person of Jesus Christ, God responds to both our personal prayers and our prayers on behalf of each other. But Jesus is our divine mediator and intercessor. We've got to go through him if we want God to do anything for us because he is the only way to God. Another running theme throughout Hebrews thus far has been 
God's relationship with Israel. The author is frequently drawn from the Old Testament while also drawing on divine inspiration for their time to teach the recipients the divine truth of God. In verse 24, we talked about that last week. It uses the statement now to appear in the presence of God for us. This statement, when I looked at it again, brought to mind that there are some tenses that we can see here, present tenses, that is past, present, and future. And, and, and so, uh, so in addressing the past, the author says that Christ is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions of the first covenant. That is our past. That is the past. Verse 16 of our ninth chapter. And then, and then for the, and we look at people like Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, uh, David, Ruth, Naomi, Deborah, Josiah, and others as sellers are those represented by Christ's death that are, that are benefited from the death of Christ. So in the present tense, Jesus intercedes for us right now. He always lives to make intercession for us. So in the future, he will represent us when we all stand in the presence of God the Father in the last day. There is a past, there is a present, and there is a future tense. Jesus Christ, in other words, is always and has always been working for our good. Glory to God. So, in verses, so let me, before I go on, let me read, if you will, and I want you to follow along with me, uh, because we're, we're transitioning now from the ninth chapter right into the tenth chapter. But I want to start, if you will, in verse 23 of chapter 9 and read through verse 4 of chapter 10. Uh, of the book of Hebrews. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in in the heavens should be purified with these, meaning the sacrifice of the blood of the animals. But the heavenly things themselves, the better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with him, which are copies of the truth, but in the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God, for us, now to appear in the presence of God for us, not that he has, not that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have not had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, say but now, once at the end of the ages, uh, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it appears appointed for men to die once, but after that, this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Notice he did not say all, but many, because he knew that there will be some that will reject him. And so, though he died for all, there will only be many that will receive him, not all will receive to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Verse chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. But then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshiper, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sin. 
But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is not possible, say that, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats uh -huh, that they could what? take away sin. That they could take away sin. That's awesome. And just think about that. Just, just think on that just for a little while. For he is Lord. Come on, join me. He is Lord. Come on, worship with me. God inhabits the praises of his people. He has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One more time. For he is Lord. Hallelujah. He is Lord. Bless his name. He has risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess. That Jesus Christ, He is Lord. The glory of God, the Father. Father, we thank you this morning. And we are your most holy presence. By the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ on Galilee's cross. We are gathered here today, God, via media and via presence here in the sanctuary, that you might fill this sanctuary and that you might fill our hearts with your holy presence, that you will warm us inside, God, that you will minister to us by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I submit myself unto you, that you may expound, elaborate, and elucidate upon your word, Lord God. Speak to us, Lord God, that we may grow stronger in our walk with Christ and our witness for Christ and our building of your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, under the submission to your precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you have full reign over this earth. Preach the word of God to us that we may grow in our knowledge and understanding of our Savior and our Lord and God our Father. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray and give thanks. Amen. This is Psalm says, I will trust in the Lord, I will trust. In the Lord, I will trust. In the Lord, until I die. I will trust in the Lord. I 
John chapter 17, just really quickly here. He says in verse 5, he says, And now he's praying. He says, Now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus has and always will be and continues to be present with the Father because he is the second person of the Trinity. So he will always be in heaven after, after departing heaven to take on human flesh to walk among us and to die for our sins. And then he remains 40 days after his resurrection on the third day from, from the grave. And he was seen by more than 500, not just the apostles, and then finally Paul himself. And then he ascended into heaven right back where he was in the beginning. The Hebrews author in that 12th chapter says, well, says that Jesus Christ, it says, what was it says? It says, that therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that has been set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, or sat down at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. Jesus Christ entered heaven and he remained there. Not that it was his first visit there. No, no, no. He is from heaven because he is the second person of the Trinity. So Christ went back to heaven. And then, and then finally, under the old covenant, the priest came out and blessed the people. Under the new covenant, Jesus Christ will come to take his people to heaven. That's good news. So the work of Jesus is complete, is a complete work, a final work, and an eternal work. On the, on the basis of his completed work, he is ministering now in heaven on our behalf. I tell you, as, as I, that illustration I gave you on last week through Zechariah, I tell you, chapter 3, that's powerful. Jesus is representing you and I and every believer before God. But let me give you a shocker here, because where grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace does abound more. Even those who have not yet confessed Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, he is interceding on their behalf, because in John chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, God says that he he loved the Lord so much that he sent his only begotten Son, the world means everybody, not just the choice few, that he gave, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever, the door is open for anyone, the invitation is there for all people, whoever will receive him will have eternal life. Why? Verse 16 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God is looking to save people. He wants heaven to be overflowed with humans. But you have to make that choice. We have to make that choice individually. It cannot be made by prophecy. No one can represent you. No one can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. Salvation is an individual choice, just like lying and stealing and 
and working and eating and sleeping is an individual choice. No one can make you do what you don't want to do. And if they make you do what you don't want to do, it is under duress that you're doing it. Nevertheless, you are responsible for your actions. No one can make that decision for you. Three times the author uses the word appear. In verses 24 through 28, he points out that Jesus has appeared to put away sin by dying on the cross. He is, he is appearing now in heaven for us, and one day he will appear to take Christians home. These three tenses of salvation are all based on the final word of Jesus Christ. So don't miss it. So after delving into this letter, those of you who have been following us, like the Hebrews Christians who received this letter, you have to realize that there is no middle ground when it comes to salvation. There's no middle ground. There, there can be no straddling of the fence. Like the Christians to whom this letter was written, you have to make a choice. Everyone has to make a choice. You have to make a choice between the earthly or the heavenly, the temporary or the eternal, the incomplete or the complete. Why can't there be a return to the temple and a practice of the Christian faith at the same time? Why can't you do both? Is that your question? Because that would be compromising and that would be refusing to go without the camp bearing Jesus' reproach. When I say that, because Jesus was not crucified within the city, but they took him outside the city on top of the mountain over the skull, if you will, Golgotha, which is the skull, the, the rock of the skull, the image of the skull, and they crucified him outside. Whenever they sacrifice an animal, they take them outside of the camp and they crucify them. They sacrifice them. Jesus died outside of the camp, outside of Jerusalem. So there is no fixed straddling or middle way. Because you either, you either, as sometimes we say, you either is or you either ain't. But you can't not be both. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. So you either serve the one and hate the other, you love the one and despise the other. But you cannot do both. In the book of Revelation, he says, I warn that you are hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And so I will spew you out of my mouth. In decisiveness, trying to play both ends against the middle will, re- will result in your rejection. Because essentially, that's what it is. You love the world and you say you love God. You cannot love God and love the world. You've got to hate one and love the other, but despise one and, and, and love the other. You cannot have both. You can't have it both ways. That's like saying, for, for us who really believe in, in marriage of, of, of between one man and one woman, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry this woman, then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to marry some more women, and you know, I'm just going to just have, I, I just really don't know which one I really love. But no, 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 no. For better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness or in health, we stay with the one woman or one man, if you are a woman, that you marry. My wife and I have been married 39 years. I pray to God.
regardless if you marry another 40 years before God calls us home by saying, I love her with all my heart. You've got to know who you serve. You either serve the Lord or you serve the world. You cannot serve both. That's not the way God works. See, God is a jealous God. He wants you to give your heart to him. And how do I know that you are serving God and that you love him more than you love the world? I check your checkbooks. Now, I won't check your checkbooks. You check your books. How much do you give to the kingdom of God? How much do you give to the kingdom of God? Do you keep a schedule? How much time do you spend telling people about the goodness of God through Christ? How much time do you spend doing that? If you really, truly love God, how often do you come to church? The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourself together as a matter of God. Some people say, well, I don't have to, I don't have to go to church for God to know that I love him. Yes, you do, because the Scripture says you must go to church. Because in that going, you exalt one another, you encourage and build up and power one another in the Word of God. That's how it works. Iron sharpens iron. We must build one another up. And we cannot do that if we don't come together and fellowship. We simply can't do it. What good is it to be a Christian and be out there on your own, be beat up, beat down, and no one to call on? Doesn't make sense. We, as a community of believers, we have to understand that community means that we, we, we have contact with one another, we communicate with one another, we support one another, we strengthen one another. There's a word called solidarity. And that word solidarity means I got your back and you got my back. I am my brother's or my sister's keeper. Solidarity. We work to work to strengthen and build up one another. We watch out for one another in prayer. And if someone is hurting financially, we, if we can, we help them financially. Whatever we can do for them, according to the will and the word of God, without violating God's word, we support them, we strengthen them, we empower them, we encourage them. That is the Christian way. In the Christian way, and in God, since God does not put credence in a color, he does not care about your race. And I know I say this all the time, but so many people out there think that, but that you know, they're of the right race. No, every race God created in his image and in his likeness. So don't get discouraged with me. Don't get frustrated with me. It's important for you to understand that there are no superior people, people, only a superior God. There are no great people, only a great God. Even Israel, chosen by God, God has chosen you not because you were more numerous than anybody else or because you're stronger than anybody else or better than anybody else. I chose you because I love you. I love Abraham. I love Isaac. I love Jacob. I love you. That's why. But listen, if you violate my law, if you violate my word, I will punish you. So God does not care who you are. He will punish you. He says he, he will repay his enemies to their faces. So God won't shy away. He won't talk about them behind your back. He will come right up into your face and get all in your grill. And he'll tell you about yourself and say, look, I don't care who you are. I don't care what it is. I created you. I know every thought that flows through your heart before you do. 
I know what you're going to say before you form the words in your mouth. I know where you're going to be from one moment to the next, what you're doing from one moment to the next. I am God. I am eternal. I am omnipotent. I am omnipresent. I am omniscient. I am everything. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I know the end from the beginning. I am God. And besides me, there is no other God. I am for everlasting to everlasting God. So he does not care about your cars. He doesn't care about your clothes. He doesn't care about your bank account. He doesn't care about your shoes. He doesn't care about the name brands that you walk around proudly parading, talking about who's the maker of your shoes, the maker of your clothes, the maker of your handbag. God does not care about that stuff. That's earthly stuff. That's stuff that will be here when you die. You will not be able to take it with you. You need, my brothers and sisters, you need to prioritize. Not that you can't have good things, nice things, expensive things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you need to prioritize what's more important in your life. Jesus Christ must be the most important person in your life. If he is not more important than your children, if he is not more important than your family, if he is not more important than your car, if he is not more important than your money, if he is not more important than your job and your boss, then you have your priorities skewed. And you need to correct that. Because first and foremost, he must be your God. He must be the one that you worship and pray to. He must be the one that you bow down to, that you honor, that you love with an everlasting love, as he loves you with an everlasting love. You must be a servant of God, first and foremost. He doesn't care about all that stuff. Listen, all the stuff you have, the abilities that you have, God is the one that did that for you. He's the one that put those in you and me. So we have to understand and recognize that all that we have comes from God. And because of that, we must, and all that we are is because of who God made us to be. So first and foremost, he must get the glory. He must be honored. He must be worshipped. He must be praised. He must be glorified. There are no, before him, there is nothing else. You bless and worship and honor and praise Jesus Christ, and everything else will fall into place. Everything. I love it. So the Christian sanctuary is in heaven, Philippians 3.20, and their treasure should be in heaven as well, Matthew 6.19. So the Christian's hope is in heaven. The true believer walks by faith, not by sight. No matter what may happen on earth, a believer can be confident because everything is settled in heaven for him. So they do not want to go down here. That's okay. Because God has a way of turning things around down here and making it work for your good. But if you don't trust him, if you don't rely on him, if you don't approach him and come to him with every issue, every problem that you have, then the result will be that you will suffer many things by yourself needlessly. He says, I am the God, your creator. He said to Moses, when Moses asked the question, what did I tell the children of Israel? He said, tell them that I am, that I am sent you. In other words, and I am your deliverer. I am your protector. I am your provider. I am everything that you need. I 
the shadow of a tree is called shade. Interesting. Now, your shadow might be a shade for some little creature if you stand there long enough, but, but a tree, a big tree, its shadow is shade. And so the trade, the shade of a big tree is not a physical tree, is not the physical tree itself, uh, yet its shade shields a person from the heat of the day. And in like manner, the necessity of the law protected sinners from the heat or the wrath of God when they repented and came back under the authority of the law. When you are away from the law, when you walk away from God's word, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you will bear the brunt of the heat of God's anger against the sin that you committed. But under Christ, he is our shade. He is our covering. He is our protector. He is our shield and exceeding great reward because he is covering us. We come under his covering. He is our, he's not our shadow. He is our physical pit covering us, taking the heat away from us, keeping it away from us, and keeping us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed on him. So, the law, the, the law protected us from, protected Israel from the heat or the wrath of God when they repented and they came back under the law. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 says, exhort believers, believers not to get caught up, if you will, in religious practices of the law because they are reflections of Christ. But the reality is Christ. Here's what he says. So let not, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Jesus is the real McCoy, as we say. He's the real deal. He's not a shadow. He's not an image. He's not a figment. He is the real deal. I love it. I love it. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5, it is again reiterated that the law with all its requirements is simply a reflection of the genuineness which is Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. The problem with the law is that it was impotent, incapable, weak in the flesh. That's why God dispatched his son, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Don't miss that. The righteousness of the law in us, that is only possible. See, when Christ fulfilled every jot and every tittle of the law before passing out of this earth and returning to heaven, he fulfilled everything. And when he went into heaven, and those who received him, in essence, have fulfilled every shot and every tittle of the law, not on their own because of anything they have done, but the righteousness of the fulfillment of the law has been imputed to us through Christ. So now, in my bank account, I may not have earned any money, but in my bank account, I did not earn my salvation because the Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, for by grace when you take your faith and not yourself, is the gift of God, not a work as any man should boast. I cannot earn my salvation. Jesus earned.
my salvation by dying on the cross for me. And because he did that, he paid the penalty. He fulfilled every facet of the law. And he has deposited, because I have accepted him as my Savior and my Lord, his righteousness and everything that he has, all of his riches, all of his accomplishments, have been deposited in my faith account. And so now I draw from my from my from from my bank account the righteousness of Jesus Christ for my life. I draw from him the faith that he walked in. I draw from my bank account faith in Jesus Christ. I draw from my bank account joy from Jesus Christ. I draw from my bank account healing from Jesus Christ. I draw from my bank account my uh, the authority to walk in the confident assurance of who he is and who I am in him. Glory to God. I hope you don't miss that. So the author used the word perfect. This is the Greek word teleo, and it means complete, to bring to an end. The law could not cleanse our conscience from guilt. However, Christ's perfect sacrifice frees those who, by faith in Christ, submit themselves to God and walk according to the word of God. Uh, and have their consciences, and by doing so, we have our, by faith in Christ, we have our consciences cleansed from the guilt of our past. That's good news. So, the weight of your past sins were borne by Christ on the cross of Calvary. The moment that you accepted him as your Savior and your Lord, thus, you are perfect in Christ. Uh, you are perfect in Christ. Now, also, this number two under this, under the powerlessness of the law, we observe that the obvious ineffectiveness, we observe the obvious ineffectiveness of the old covenant sacrifices. If the law, if the law could have changed a person, person internally, meaning his or her conscience, then there would have been no need to continue offering sacrifices. So the answer to the question for them who they have not ceased to be offered is yes, they would have. Sacrifices would have ended. There would no longer have been a need if the law could have done what Jesus Christ did. So I'm sure that Old Testament sinners felt a sigh of relief after the high priest paid atonement for their sins, but it did not purify their conscience of the recurring guilt of their sin. That is, every person that comes to Christ is cleansed from the impurity of sin and restored to a cleansed state. That is a state whereby you can now have a personal relationship with God, our Father and Creator. Uh, so under the powerlessness of earth, uh, observation under the powerlessness of the law, we, are, we also observe that the Day of Atonement only reminds people of their sins. If you ever watched the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray, you notice that he relives the same day over and over again. He never got beyond the events of one day. That's frustrating. In the same way, every year when the high priest went into the most holy place to offer the blood of goats and 
bulls or calves for his sins and the sins of the people, it was a constant reminder of their sin. So every year, they relived in their mind their sin of previous years. That's got to be, and I don't know about you, but that, that, that's horrible. That's literally absolutely horrible. I wonder how many of you right now are reliving the sins of your past. Those of you who have given your life to Christ, are you still reliving the sins of your past? Are you? Have you given your life to Jesus and repented of all your past sins? If the answer is yes, then the guilt of your past should not be beating you up every day. Should not be. Satan will always remind you of your past, either by a thought or by the people of your past. You have to shut them, shut those thoughts down the moment they would say service in your mind. And you have to separate yourself from those who will always allow you, who will not allow you to put your past behind you. Not everyone that you grew up with has your best interest in heart or, or that's worth hanging out with. You know, you have to be careful who you let speak into your life. I won't name the name, but I remember when I was in my early years in the military, we the group of us used to hang together. And then one guy used to do and you know, they used to do all the kind of things. I was not and I was not a choir boy Don't don't get me wrong. I had my faults too. But I but one day, one night, one Sunday, since I've been here in DC, I have been I was ministering at Central Union Mission to the men at Central Union Mission. And guess who I saw? One of the guys. By this time, I was a commanding officer of a command at the Naval Yard. And I had been, I advanced in my career. I was a senior Naval officer. And this guy shows up, and I see him. He recognizes me, and I recognize him. But I, I spoke to him. I was polite to him. I was forced to him. But he reminded me of my past, something I did not need in my life. God was moving me forward, and I did not need anybody to drag me back into my past. And so I was cordial, I was polite, but that was it. I treated him respectfully, but that was it. Say one other thing. When I was coming up, I had, back then, I used to be back then, they were called albums, the LP, long playing records. We called them records. They were the plastic things that you used to with the, with the, uh, with the uh, turn turntable on it and the, and the arm, you you would play music. I had I had literally spent probably hundreds of dollars on on them over the years that I collected them jazz and you know current movie music of the current time, uh, you know uh, all of those things. But one night I was sitting in my home and I and, and um, I became melancholy. And, and, I, and, and, and in my melancholy, I, I gravitated to those records. And some people say, well, you, that's extreme. You don't have to do that. But I made a point of that I realized what was happening to me. The devil was drawing me back to my past. Because every, every one of those records came at a specific time in my past. And they would call me to remember those things as well on those things. 
in my past. So I took my trash can and I sat there, there been 50 or 60 of them, and I sat there and I broke every one of them in feet, in half, and I threw them in the trash can. I said that I will not be going backwards. Because as long as I keep my hand to the plow and I'm looking backwards, I cannot move forward. God has a plan for my life, and it is for me to move forward, which is why I'm here today and not stuck back there in my path. You have got to get to a point in your life that the guilt and the sins of your past must not be allowed to rule over your life anymore. You've got to cut them out. Whether it's people, you've got to get them out of your life. Whether it's things that you used to do in the past, cast them down when the devil brings them up. Pray and I'll talk to God to give you a strength of mind and a presence of mind to be able to, when the moment those things come up, that discern and that feel the will to cast them down. You have to do that. Because God has forgiven you of everything that you've ever done wrong in your life. But you have to learn to forgive yourself. And you have to learn to forget the past. And you have to learn to look forward to the future. Because your future is not behind you. Your future is in front of you. And you can do that with God if you will submit to him. Casting down every imagination. He says, we, though we walk in the flesh, let me here. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, our brothers and sisters. Our weapons of warfare are not material things. They're not carnal things, but they are mighty, meaning they are spiritual things. To the mighty through God to the casting down of strongholds. Strongholds are those things that have got a good hold on you over the years, and they just hold on to you, and you can't seem to break them. But you have to cast down imagination and every high thing that is going itself against the knowledge of God. God says you are free. God says you've been delivered. God says you are no longer guilty of He's no longer holding your path against you. God says that terrible, and that's all there is to it. Don't let your past keep you from your future. Your destiny is too great. Your destiny is too important for you. Your, the, the way ahead of you is too important for you to get stuck in the past. Oh, let me try and finish here real quick. In the eyes of God, the sins of your past no longer exist. He has forgiven you, and he will never shove the sins of your past in your face. He'll never do it. Never. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God he is. He is a God that forgives and forgets. He says, I will not remember your sins anymore, as I will cast them in the seat of forgetfulness. They're gone. In other words, I won't use them against you. Because you made the choice of my son, and you gave your life to him, and you repented of your past, I know that it's true because I know what's in your heart. No man can see what's in your heart. No man can know what's in your heart. No man. And so finally, under the powerlessness of the law, we observe that Animal sacrifices could permanently remove sin. Could not. So the conclusion then is that the Levitical sacrifices was like using new fabric to patch a hole in an old garment. As the new fabric shrinks, the hole that it covered gets larger than it was before the new fabric was applied. No matter how many animals 
lost their lives to pay for the sins of the Jews, the sin continued if God separated influence over them. If the Jews and humanity proper were ever going to escape sin's power, there had to be a perfect sacrifice, one that could purify the conscience of sin and guilt. That perfect sacrifice, my brothers and sisters, was the Lord Jesus Christ. That perfect sacrifice, my brothers and sisters, is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. Give God some praise in this place on this morning. Hallelujah. Give him praise in this place because you are free from the guilt and the sins of your past with the promise that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God is a faithful God. He did not do all that he has done just for the sake of doing it. He did it because he loves you and I. He did it because he loves you and I, and he wants the best for us. But we have to want the best for ourselves, and we will get nothing better and no one better than Jesus Christ. My wife once told me when we, when we were stationed in Washington State, she said, concerning church, she said, because I love God, I can love you more. Never true words have been spoken in all my days. That is so true. If you love Christ, you should and must love one another, every one of us. Deuteronomy 19.18 says, says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your spirit. And so you see that those are the two commandments upon which everything else rests. It is that foundation of love. And see, I read one time, and I don't remember who it was, but he said a superstructure is only as good as it is defined as its foundation. Our foundation, the Christian foundation, is, is built on is, 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 is the love of God. And that foundation was in the love of God was demonstrated by Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. So now after hearing that word, there may be one, and you don't know Jesus Christ, and you want to know him. You want to have that eternal life where you go, and when you leave this earth, you'll go to be with him forever in heaven. If you don't have that and you want that, he's waiting for you to come right now to the altar, whoever you are, right there in your home, right here, right outside, wherever you are. If you want that relationship, if you want to be with God forever, Come to the altar. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home, the Spirit of God is speaking to you to become a part of Jesus Christ Ministries Global. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home for my way to my heavenly home. Then we welcome you. We want you to come. Thirdly, if you're a backslider, you want that joy restored in your life. I'm here to tell you, God will restore the joy. Go get an answer, bust about it. He will do it, and he will do it now. Fourthly, if you're seeking the fullness of his Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, he said, the day that you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And he will give that to you which you desire. If you're away from your church home, 
consider, and in there, consider making Jesus Christ ministries global, your temporary church home, where we can watch over your soul and pray for you while you're here. And then when you complete your assignment here, you can return home to your home church and assist your senior pastor in fulfilling the vision that God has called him or her to. Finally, if you are in need of prayer, remember what I said earlier, God answers prayer. He has, and one thing he does is, one of the things he does is he, he's waiting and listening to hear a call out to him. He wants to spend time with you and I. But we have to make up in our own mind whether we want to spend time with him. Come, wherever you are, wherever you are. God, no matter what your problem is, no matter what the issue is that you're struggling with, God says, Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. And how do we do that? Through prayer. We take our we take our cares and we cast them and we deliver them to God in prayer through Christ. And God will answer. His time, but He will answer. And any of these areas, we welcome you. Any of these areas, we welcome you. You want to give your life to Christ. You want to do that right now. Pray after me. If you want to give your life to Christ, dear God, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, to the world to die for my sin. Dear Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day and that you are alive and you have eternal life to give me as a free gift. I repent of my sin. Please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. I promise you from this point forward, as you give me strength, I will seek to serve you in every area of my life. And if you are backslide and you want to return to Jesus Christ, repeat after me, dear God, I have a relationship with you, and I turn my back on you and walk away. Please forgive me for the sins that I've committed. I repent of all the wrongs that I have done. Receive me back into your kingdom and into your good grace. And I promise you, from this point forward, as you give me strength, I will seek to serve you in every area of my life. It is in Jesus' name that I pray and I give you thanks. If you pray these prayers, those prayers, then I want to welcome you, along with the angels in heaven, to the kingdom of God through his holy son, Jesus Christ. And I say, Jesus says, I give you eternal life. You will never perish, and no man can pluck you out of my hand. In other words, from this point forward, if you miss what you said in that prayer, then you have eternal life. There's no one that can take it away from you. You are a brand new person. Everything, the guilt of your past is gone. You just have to learn to forgive yourself and trust the Lord 
that you are no longer responsible, you're no longer held accountable by God for the things that you have done in the past. All of this behind you is gone. It'll never be mentioned by God again. And what I said earlier in this message, don't let someone pull you back into your past. You've got to learn to break that break that stronghold of your past. In order, because every one of us has done things we're not proud of. Every one of us. There are no perfect people, only a perfect God. There are no superior people, only a superior God. We can call our things ourselves as a mountain. We can compare ourselves to mountains. We can compare ourselves to all these natural things. And that's a travesty because the one thing, the one person out of all creation, in all creation that we ought to compare ourselves with is our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we walking according to his will? Are we walking according to his way? Are we, are we emulating him in, in our lives? If we're not doing that, then we are inferior to our surroundings. And God has created us to be inferior to him. But he is superior to us always. We want to trust him. We want to believe in him. We want to rely on him. We want to live with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for this afternoon for those who joined us here. May you guide and teach them. May you strengthen them and empower them. May you encourage them and build them up. When people say they can't, show them that they can. Tell them that they can. When people say they won't, show them that you will do it through them. Show them that they can do all things through Christ who gives them the strength. Let no wall be erected to keep them out when you have sent them for a particular purpose. Let no door be shut in their face that you do not intend for them to walk through. That you intend for them to walk through. Let nothing or hindrance of any kind, let not the doubts that the enemy might try to plant in their mind, or the ailing of their, of their members, their physical body, that none of it hold them back from accomplishing what you have called them to do. Cover their every need. Protect them from the enemy. Protect their home. Protect their job. Show them how to walk in the dignity that you, that you endow them with as you have their creation. You alone are God. And you know the thoughts that you think towards all of us, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give us a future full of hope. Our hope is in you, Father. Instill that hope in your children. Make that hope visible to them, God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by the inner working of your Holy Spirit in their lives. Whatever's going wrong, whatever's going wrong in their lives, God, encourage them that it all works together for their good because they are loved by you, and they are the call according to your purpose. We bless your name on this morning for everyone that is doing this, Lord God. And we thank you for keeping them throughout the week. Bring them back at the appointed time, Lord God. Let them be an example, a witness of Jesus Christ to all with whom they come into contact. We pray this prayer for them that they will be a walking, living billboard for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, we pray and we give you thanks. Amen. Now receive our executive pastor with the promises that we have.
before we conclude uh, our service on today. Again, I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. We're so grateful to our Lord Jesus Christ and all that he does for us. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us this, uh, this Sunday. Uh, thank you. I thought we were having a little technical difficulty, so I guess we're back on the air. Okay. We get to talk that holiday in each and every Sunday. And I may be a little bit of a doctor, but we can be on that holiday in express at 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.